You know, I like the fact that I'm a child of God. We're singing that song, and I, I can, I'm getting older now, but I can remember back when I was not a child of God. I was 16 years old when I first heard the gospel. And um, so when I contrast the fact now, what it means to me to be a child of God, wow, I can't even hardly put it in words. I can only say it to you because as children of God, you know what I'm speaking of. Remember, we are the children of God that He has loved and redeemed forevermore. This morning, um, I wanted to look into the Word of God. It was really uh, difficult trying to find a point of departure in the Scriptures. I want to talk uh, and share with you about what it means to trust God. I want us to think about what it means in my life, what it means in your life that, that you would say, if asked, do you trust in God? You really trust in God. I think sometimes it, it happens that we have to start to rethink in, in, our, in our daily walk, in our journey in life, what it means for me to trust in God. Do I really trust in Him? And so um, I asked Andy if he would read out of Proverbs chapter 3 um, because there's a powerful word there about trusting in God. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him. This is trusting God. And we'll look at that in a moment. Right now, I would like if you'd turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah chapter 43. And I want to read starting in verse number 14. Down through verse 22. Isaiah chapter 43. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For, I, for your sake I send to Babylon and bring them down as fugitives. Even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me. O Israel. Wow. There's, too, there's so much of this that jumps off the page at me, and it's going to take the morning 
to kind of unpack this, but I, I, I want to share with you at least at the beginning my expectations um, as I share with you this word that God has just laid on my life. I want us to rethink our trust in God uh, from, from just from ground level. Just rethink what it is that makes us would th- to say that I actually, as a believer, as a child of God, I trust God. And then when we look at these verses, one of the things that, that just jumps off the page is where uh, Isaiah says, Behold, I, he's speaking the word of God, what the word God gave Isaiah to share with Jacob or with Israel. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Now, I think there's a lot there, and that may be something you want to just study and pray over and think about through this coming week. But what really hits me hard and impacts me when I read this passage of Scripture is verse number 22 where he says, Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. And I thought to myself when I was reading this and just over and over and over again, I thought, I thought, what was it that was, how does this happen? How does it happen that that Israel would get weary with God? Have you ever been weary of something? Maybe we get weary of our jobs. I've had a year of working with a transition and getting back into a U.S. classroom, and it's been a challenge. And I had to keep reminding, I mean, literally taking thoughts captive every single day and telling myself, God has me here for a reason. And um, so you put a smile on and you... You teach and you do what you're supposed to do. And, but I, it was like working against, against being just weary with it and wondering, oh Lord, I'm ready for something else and something different. Have you ever been weary of something? Maybe you get weary of someone. Why? How does that even happen? Put it in a context like that, maybe we can begin to think about it. But how does, how does the people of God, the children of God, get weary with God? This past Wednesday, Chris, since Chris was out of town, I got a chance to step back and talk with the youth a little bit. And he said he's been teaching them about the attributes of God. And what, a, what an important area to cover with, with all of us. But to, so I thought, well, I, he, he didn't tell me. He kind of gave me a little bit of a free reign. So I thought, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about the, the Holy Trinity and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I thought, well, I'm going to talk to him about the Trinity and I, I love that subject because, because I can't wrap my mind around it. That's why I love it so much. And um, so we, we were doing this with the, with the young people. And you're going to be amazed, you know. Um, so we're talking about what the Scripture says about the Father and about the Son and about the Holy Spirit. And we're flipping around in the pages of the Bible just looking at different things. And we got down toward the end and I asked him, I said, let me ask you this question. Why do you think that God wanted us to know about his plurality. They like big words. And so we talked about this, this unique context. And a lot of the world is monotheistic. And a lot of the world is polytheistic. But Christianity doesn't fit either one of those. Behold, O, o, o Israel, the Lord our God is one. Behold, Israel, our gods are one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We went, I, I, I said, why do you think God gave us that? Something we just can't. We're like, oh. 
you know, and we, and, and I said, why do you think God wanted us to know that? And you know what they said? So we would be awed by him. This is why Israel got weary with God. They were no longer awed by Him. They were no longer blown away by the, by, the, by the truth of the Word of God. It didn't affect their lives anymore. They were so integrated into their society, whether economically, emotionally, socially, they were just all about the world that they were in. And it, and, and it brought about them ignoring God. No longer awed by the Creator of the universe. How does that happen? It happens. It happens. It's probably happened with you. It has with me. And I pray against it every day. Lord, I want to be constantly amazed by You. I want to be in the Word and be amazed at just being at Your feet to hear You and to read Your Word and to commune with You. And to know that I'm a child of God. I want it to make a huge difference. But we've got to ask ourselves this question, can this happen to us? It does happen. We can be weary of God. I don't know where you are in your journey today, whether you're up against the greatest challenge of your life. Whether you're, you're on the verge of stepping out of a challenge into the light, into the peace of God again. I don't know where you are in your journey. We can be at different places, all of us. But at the very base, we have to know we are children of God and that we should be awed by Him. This chapter, just to kind of set the stage of it, it's, it's, you know when you're reading one of the prophets, any one of the prophets, you've got some work to do because you've got to find out, okay, when, when, who are they contemporary with? Uh, we're talking about God promising deliverance uh, to Israel from Babylonian captivity, from being in, in captivity, and they haven't even gone into captivity yet. So that's got to sound really strange to them as they're hearing Isaiah say, talk about this over and over again. Um, this chapter is, is just a continuation of the subjects discussed in the previous chapters in the book of Isaiah. And that basically the promised deliverance from Babylon. He's encouraging Israel after sharing all that's what's coming. He's encouraging them about the fact that they will be delivered. Well, that's good to know. It comes on in the context, if you will, with me. Just turn to quickly to the chapter 1 of Isaiah. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, just turn there. I will wait. I like to hear pages of the Bible. How many people have a Bible this morning? Can I see a, one of these kind? I like it. I like it. It doesn't go down on you. The Wi-Fi cuts out. It doesn't go down on you. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3, I think, yes. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. Notice he says children talking to Israel, God's children, who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are, listen to this, they are utterly estranged. Just like they're no longer familiar with God. 
no longer have that joy and that enthusiasm that comes with being a new believer. I still remember. It was childish, I know, but it was, I was a child. And uh, upon being saved, a recent thing I had just worked through in my life as a 16-year-old, like I said, I was 16, was um, we were living in New York. And uh, my friend wanted to borrow my baseball glove. I was not a believer. still a long way from being a believer. I didn't even know. I was closer than God knew when I was about to become a believer that summer. But anyway, I thought, you know, this is my ball glove. You just don't, I mean, you know, when you go to the golf courts, you don't go up to somebody and say, can I borrow your nine iron? You just, you know, golfers know you don't do that. You know, you don't, I, so I, I gave him my golf, my glove. I don't know, my, if my mom can't remember this, maybe, maybe my dad said something I should have. But anyway, I loaned him my ball glove. We were fixing to leave, and I was like, ugh. Not, not moving, but just going out for the evening or something. And I said, uh, okay, when you get done, just put it on the back porch. Well, I got home, uh, and the first thing I did was I looked on the back porch. And my ball glove wasn't there. It was $10.50. Y'all, that's a lot of money. That was a lot of money. And um, I was really frustrated. And it wasn't long after that, we, my dad goes overseas to Vietnam, and we moved to Kansas and live on the farm, and I went to church first time, and I became a believer. You know what I did? My first thing to do was, I was so excited about being a believer, and I realized I'd been carrying this, you know, burden, and I was angry with this. I wrote a letter, never got a response back, but I wrote a letter forgiving my friend for losing my glove or whatever happened to it, and, uh. It just overflowed, and I think I wrote several pages sharing the gospel to this. And there was that, just that, oh, I'm a child of the king now. But sometimes after a while, we become the child of the king, and we've been a child for so long. We st- I don't know what it is we take it for granted, but something happens, and this kind of thing rises up that we, that we forget about God. We grow weary of Him. He no longer brings us joy and peace and happiness. And, and, and besides, there's life that we have to deal with. And all of the, the craziness of life just bears down on us. And you know, God take, gets pushed out of the way. We read this and what Isaiah was, was, was on his heart, what the message that God gave him. It follows that, that this, this God is telling us our God is telling us that He still is in covenant with us. He still has a promise He's given to us. Israel has forgot who their master is. They don't know. They don't understand anymore. They, they rebel. But the God of covenant faithfulness would be with them in their trials. He would be with them. Isaiah said, it's a promise. He will be with you. God's people have been so, were so precious to God. You go back and read the background. Just read the first part of chapter 43. I didn't read all of that, but you read the first part of that. God was so, His children were so valuable to Him and so precious to Him that Isaiah reminds Him and says, you know, He's given up whole nations for your ransom. 
I don't know how we look at some of that stuff today, but God would raise up nations against Israel for their, to chastise them, to pour out His loving wrath on them, to turn them from their rebellious and wicked ways and turn them back home. He would raise up nations against Israel and He would bring nations to put those who raised up against Him down. It's like nothing. God says, I do this because I love. Because His children were so precious to Him. Do you, do you, get, do you see that? How precious you are. I like to think about that myself. To say how precious I am to God. I have messed up so much in my life. You can't even imagine. Maybe you can. But I've messed up so much and I find my God loves me. And He values me. Because of Jesus. Not because of me. I'm, I'm not worth it. But to Him I am. Through Christ I have Everything. I'm his child. I'm an heir to the kingdom. Isaiah wanted Israel to know that it was the fixed purpose of God to gather his people to himself again. It was his purpose. It was his design. And he would hold to it. In verse 13 of chapter 43, to me, he gives them the greatest reminder of all. He says this, Also, henceforth, I am He. God was saying, I'm the same. The same God that loved you, that created you and loved you and provides for you and called you my people and, and brought you into covenant promise. I am He. I'm the one. And He reminds Israel that. There is no one who can deliver from my hand. I work And who can turn it back? Now what that is saying is God saying nothing goes against my purpose. Nothing thwarts or gets in the way or frustrates my design or my plan for my people. And I go, wow, I like it. Even I can't mess that up. God says I can overpower that. We can go off and play the prodigal. My interpretation of that would be that in that parable that God was right there letting that prodigal go his way. But God was never far away. He was right there all the way with the prodigal and all of his wasted adventures. All that happened to him before he got turned around and realized, you know what, I could just, this is, I'm at the end of my rope. I just go home. I'll just go home and If you don't know the prodigal son story, you need to read it because I'm just giving you a piece of it. But I can go home and my father, maybe maybe I could probably just get by and he wouldn't see me. I added that part. And he'll just bring me in and I can just like work with the other workers. They ate pretty good compared to what I'm eating now with the swine. They ate pretty good, so I'd like to just go home. And uh, But the thing is... uh, and you need to realize this because we're sinners. Saved by grace and understand how that grace works. But you see, sometimes we see good people just go bad. It's, you know, it happens. We say it happens. It just, it just happens. You know, this prodigal. You know. We've got to see the story how God gave it to us, how Jesus told it. The prodigal, the son, was not a prodigal. The story didn't hinge on that. It wasn't like, this is a disaster. Let me tell you what happened. He wanted his inheritance. I gave him his inheritance. He went off and lost it all. He was just 
It was a waste. But no, the prodigal that you read about was a son. Do you understand that? Look into your own life. The prodigal was a son. Maybe you've played the role of a prodigal. You, if you haven't, you will. We just I think, I think we all do because that's how we learn about God's goodness and love and His grace and His mercy. We find a, we have to come to a place in our life where we're desperate for Him, and that's where trust comes in, where we trust God and we receive that kind of thing. When we realize I don't deserve anything, when that prodigal came back. Oh my goodness, the father, remember what the scripture says? He saw him coming from like a far way off. He was looking for him, wasn't he? I like that part. He was looking for him to come. And when he got there, whoa, he just fixed him a celebration, you know, and they had a meal and put a ring on his hand and new clothes on and said, I love you. You're mine. I was with you. I was following you, and I saw what you did, but you needed to find out. You needed to come back. And he did. Don't tell me God didn't have a hand, a sovereign hand, in working all of those things out. This is what he's trying to tell Israel. There is none who can deliver from my hand. Literally saying, I accomplish my designs no matter what. I am a sovereign God. Israel, you can take delight in that. Okay. So, somehow, when they got to this place where Israel became weary of God, something happened where they just weren't trusting Him anymore. They were no longer awed by Him. There's a lot of things that can happen to bring us into a place where we are no longer awed by God. We can't think about His greatness and His majesty and His glory. You don't think about Him sitting on the throne of heaven. He is the King of the universe. There is none beside Him. He is, not, he is unlike any other. Nobody is a match for Him. He is extraordinary in every measure, but yet Israel can get weary of Him. Because they had, they had quit being awed by Him. They turned away from Him and they were all about their business. I think it behooves us to think to ourselves, how can this happen? How does it happen to, to Israel? How does, it, how does it happen to us? How can it happen? And what do we do to prevent it? So, here's the question. Can we trust God? Because I think that's where it begins to go wrong is when people realize they don't trust God. They just don't trust Him. We need to know who God is. And knowing who God is, and He wrote this Word that we might know Him. He gave us this to reveal Himself to us that we might know Him. He desires for us to know Him. And very intimately, He desires us. He says, draw close to me and I will draw close to you. He desires this. So on the subject of knowing God, can you trust Him? I mean, seriously, can you trust God with your life? Can you trust Him with everything? Can you trust Him absolutely? I think what we will say, well, that's kind of a, a base doctrine of the Bible. Of course I trust in God. It's, it's fundamental. Christians believe in God. They trust in God. It's a doctrine. I believe it. So if we're asked, do you trust in God? Maybe it kind of sounds more like a rhetorical question that the automatic answer is understood to be yes, we can trust in God. 
But for some, maybe it's not so rhetorical. Maybe it's a yes, and maybe it's a no, I can't, uh, no, I, I can't trust God. I hear you talk about it, but I can't really trust Him. Or some people, maybe their answer is, well, I, maybe, maybe I can trust in God. I mean, which is it? Can't, no, maybe, or yes, I trust in God. I know I'm supposed to. Maybe that's an answer. I know I'm supposed to trust in God. But I don't really. But I don't really trust Him. I trust in myself. I trust in my ability. I think I probably told you this before, but when Cindy and I <coughs> answered God's call to go to Abu Dhabi, that's a strange, I won't talk about that call, but it was just different. Um, but when we answered that call to go to Abu Dhabi, we were just kind of, you know, counting the cost, weighing it out, trying to sort that out. And we thought, you know, we had a position to teach mathematics and we'd both been teaching it for 20 plus years. I thought, you know, that'll be the easy part. Just go over there and teach math. I mean, I can do it blindfolded, you know, with one half... One arm tied behind my back or something. You know, I, could, I just wasn't worried about it. Anyway, long story short, we got over there. And after a little while, I found myself standing in the classroom, y'all. And I, I, I couldn't even think. I couldn't even think. It's like, ah, I didn't know where to begin. I was praying, standing at the board saying, God, I don't even know where to start. I was in a whole new arena. So different. I just wasn't able to manage. I came home... Christmas that year for a couple of weeks and I was just, you know, breathing a little bit and we were about ready to go back uh, and I thought, Lord, I don't even know where to begin with these guys. And so you, sometimes you can have this, this confidence in yourself, but wow, it's a little bit, of, little bit of God stepping back to show you that, you know, it isn't so much all of you, it's really me in you. And He teaches us all kinds of lessons and He taught me many things there. And gave me an opportunity to share Christ in a Muslim classroom. So I'm so thankful that we stuck it out and didn't go home. We found out years later they evaluated teachers when they came into Abu Dhabi. They looked at them and they had one, two words. They evaluated you in two words. They didn't tell you this, but I found out afterwards. You were going to stay or you were a runner. And, like, and I didn't know. There was teachers that got there and was in a week they were gone. They were just gone. They just went in the middle of the night. They just get a ticket and leave. And, uh, and it happened a lot. Not a little bit, but a lot. And so, you know, we went back and we trusted God. He showed us new things. But it was about God saying, you know what? Don't get away from me. Don't get away from me. Let me be your strength and your confidence. This is the beginning of what it is. This is understanding what it is to trust God. But some people say, you know, I don't know. I... I They'll say, I trust myself. I I, I trust what I can see with my eyes. That's what I really trust. If I can see it, I trust it. Or they'll say, I I trust it if if it makes sense to me. Well, you know, we're going to miss out a lot if we only trust what makes sense to us. We're going to miss out on so much. But this is what can happen. You know, these people who would say, well, you know, I really trust in myself or I trust in what makes sense to me and stuff. They'll answer the Sunday school question correctly. Do you trust God? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a doctrine. I remember hearing that. Uh, yeah, I trust in him. So 
at the base, what is trust? It's a way. It's a way. It's a way we go forward. It's, it's the way. Trusting God and knowing Him. What do we trust in? In, in John chapter 14. Let me just read these verses. You can turn there and follow them with me. And mark a lot of these scriptures down and go home and digest this stuff this afternoon through the week. I just want to share and unpack this stuff for you and let it just let it work in your heart to, so that you're responding in a way that is honoring God and, and restoring your life and bringing you peace and bringing back joy into your life. But look what it says here. Um, this is the, 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 night, the day before the night before Christ would be crucified. Okay, and so he's talking. He says to the to his disciples, he said, "Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Of course, it's so. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And, and you may know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do, know, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, can, can you picture this? These guys, their life was turned upside down three years earlier when they met Jesus. And he called them and called them his apostles and he taught them and he sent them out on mission. And he, he just literally discipled them. Their life was completely changed around and now on the eve of his crucifixion he says, I'm going to leave. They're reeling right now, trying to sort this out. They thought they were beginning to understand and he says, and, and Thomas goes, look, we don't even, where are you going? We don't know where you're going. And this is what Jesus says. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He reminds them that he was the way. Do you know for me, it's really strange when I think about how I became a believer because my family, we did not go to church. I think we went like... I don't know. I didn't know what it was, but we went on Easter's once in a while. It seemed like the thing to do. But as a family, we didn't know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then when I became 16 and, and God really spoke to the whole of my family, we became believers. Y'all, this verse right here in John answered a thousand questions I had. A thousand questions were answered when I found out. What the word was, what the truth was. John, John said, Christ said in, in the Gospel of John, I am the way. I was wondering what was the way. You know, the Spirit of God works in people, your neighbors, your, the people that you work with, and you can't even imagine. They may not have heard, ever heard of a passage of Scripture out of the Bible. They may never have ever gone to church. You can't think for a minute the Spirit of God isn't at work doing something, and maybe you are that one person that needs to share the gospel with them. Don't be afraid to do it, because when it was shared with me, seriously, the first time I go, yes. Now, I wasn't a giant in the faith when I said yes, but I go, oh, that's, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. I had questions that I never talked to anyone about. I went to my first funeral with my, grand, my great-grandfather. Oh, and uh, I was, uh, I don't know, small, 
really small, not, probably not school age. Um, and, uh, okay, never been to one before. If I was prepped for it by my parents, I can't remember. Yeah, we're going somewhere new, okay. It was a funeral. And I remember sitting there and the only part that sticks into my mind is when you get up and you walk down and you come across and you see the deceased, my great-grandfather, which I didn't know really well, but I didn't know he was... But anyway, I was like, I don't know what you do when you're four years, five years old. How old was I? Five years old, maybe? What you do when you see that. But I was just like, huh, wow. How old was he? He's some... I was processing, you know, and I just kept it myself. And um, I, re- I thought, well, one of these days, that, that, that'll be me lying there. Oh, man. And then, I, and then as the years would go by in my early days, I still got the sense of how fast time went. And I thought, wow, you know, time's really going by fast. And uh, I thought, there's got to be more to this. You know, you when you're little kids, you know, we listen to what some of you all say, right? And, and when you're little, you know, you hear older people talk about, like I do now, <laughs> you talk about retirement, uh, you talk about this and this and these changes and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I listen to that and I go, okay, but they're going to retire. So I was sorting out retirement, quit working. Uh, and then I thought, okay, I kept, my flashback was kept flashing back to my grandfather. My great-grandfather. And I thought, okay, they're not talking about that part. And there was no enthusiasm with that, in that context. And I thought, but I know that that's going to happen. Anyway, so I just was kind of left in this limbo for a long time. And then when I heard the gospel for the first time, I was like, whoa, this is the answer. He, Christ, is the way. And the more I studied, the more I learned, I was like, Wow. Christ is the Word. He is the way. He's the answer to so much. He's the one who works regeneration in me and in you so that we know Him as our Father. We need the truth. We need the truth. We're not, see, we're not born with truth. as a kind of the software that comes when you buy something preloaded. We're not born with truth in us. We're born broken. We don't know it until, unless you're in church and you hear it. We're, bro- we're born broken. We're, we're broken people in a broken world. And we don't know truth until the truth is shared with us and comes to us. But we don't know truth. We don't know what to trust in. We don't know what the right way is. You know, people today are getting so confused. People are really, they're, you know, people justify their nature by saying, I was born this way. Like it's, a, like it's a good, ever a good excuse. I mean, for us as children of God, you and me, believer, as believers, and hearing and knowing a, a, somewhat of the Word of God, um, being born, we're born sinners. We're not born knowing truth. And so that doesn't... Some people use that to justify their moral position. 
They do it to justify a characteristic trait that they don't want to change. I am just, this is who I am. Like it or leave it kind of thing. And I thought, you know, when, when we're saved and regenerated and the work that goes on in us, the sanctifying work that goes on in us, that's working in us a change, constantly working a change in us to be sanctified, who are we supposed to be like? Who are we supposed to be like? Jesus. Being imitators. Jesus, be imitators of me. I like it. Because everything I read about him is amazing. I want to be like him. I want to imitate him and, and just be kind and loving like he is. That's who I want to be like. I don't want to be who I was before. I know how I was born. I know how broken. Actually, I didn't learn how, you know what, my salvation is God's work and it's not necessarily like everyone else's. But I learned about how broken I was years after I was saved. I just thought it was wonderful. And I believed it. But he just has this way of showing you more and every day, more and more how wonderful he is. I got to a place in my life where I thought I was just short of trash. Just wad me up and throw me out and just get rid of me. You know, why, why didn't God just do that? That's how I felt as a believer. As a believer, y'all, don't get the story backwards. As a believer, I felt that way. And he said, I'm just, I just need you to know something about me and my love and my grace and how restorative it can be. He worked that in me. Wow. That was a tough lesson. But wow, he's so amazing. He's so great. We trust in God. Can we trust in him? He's the way. He is the way to... He is, the, he is truth. Yes, we can absolutely trust in Him. As fallen and broken as we come into this world, we can be restored and, and uh, we can be healed, rather. We can be healed and we can be redeemed by that, by His loving and merciful kindness. Jesus says, I'm the way. Yeah, he's the way. Israel forgot about Him being the way. And they got weary with him. Because they didn't ascribe anything to God. You know, sometimes I, you know, some of you may have heard me lately, you know, sometimes I say, you know, a year ago when I was working with the youth, I had a passion. I wanted the youth to know God. I wanted them to know it. But I think sometimes when I, we have to be careful how we do this as a church, right? We want people to um, know doctrine. We just want you to know doctrine. You need to know there's lots of doctrines that you need to know. And so we teach doctrine. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe um, that's not such a good idea. Because we just, we want, to hear our, we want to hear each other talk about the doctrines that they believe and know. Um, we want to hear that they will uh, assent to it. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in the, in the holiness of God. The, that he's perfect in all of his ways, that he's the creator of all the universe. I believe these things. And, you, and we teach these kind of attributes of God and we, we, we say we do, but there's a problem with it and, and God's the one that brings it out. He says, you know what? It is more than affirming it. It is way more than affirming it. That's what you can say correctly with, through your mouth. You can make this confession. But maybe what the church really needs to do and I'm not standing here to judge the church, but you know what? I do read the book of Revelation. And the one person who has the right to judge the church wrote seven letters. 
to the churches in Asia. And they were good letters. He wrote those letters and said to the churches, this is good and this is good, and this is, but I have this against you. Do you ever wonder, this is my faith family. You're my family and I'm your family. This is us here. Cross Timber Baptist Church, a, a local New Testament church, the bride of Christ right here. What would his letter look like that came to us today? What would it look like? He would say, wow, it's really cool how y'all have done this and this and this. He would have some amazing things to say. Amazing things have happened in my life since I've been a member of this church. And I'm so blessed by it all. And, um, and then I've had a chance when we've gotten back from overseas and I look out among you, there's like 75% different people, different faces to, to meet and know and, and, uh, and grow together. But, you know, this is, this is what God does. This is how powerful and amazing that he, he, he works. And so, um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Let me get it back here. Um, uh, we, we, need, we need to wonder, what, what is Christ, what would he say to us? I mean, you know, we, get, we have to stop and wonder, am I growing weary of God? Is he, is he, is he my strength and my joy and my peace? Or is it a, is it a good job and a, and a great relationship, a great marriage and great kids and this and this and all these things? This is what makes my heart sing. I thought, whoa, be careful there. What should make your heart sing is the loving relationship you have with Jesus Christ. You have to have a connection with Him. This is where joy comes. You know when the Bible talks about a peace that passeth understanding? You know what that's given to us? Because a huge storm can evolve in your life. And you can still be like, man, He he might just be coming to me on the water and ask me to step out of the boat. He might just be coming. Because I know Him. And He knows me. I draw close to Him and He draws close to me. We, we Maybe the church needs to preach the, 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 just what Jesus says and then we need to just live into it. Live into it. Work it through in our own lives. I think there's a message in there somewhere. We, we have to do more than just affirm truth. It needs to, we need to live it. And I know I'm close to going out of time here. It's okay. I'll wrap up quickly. Uh, I, I, I want to set it forth. Do you want to trust in God? Do you want to? You know, that's a thing. <laughs> you know, do you really want to trust in Him? Because there's some things you've got to let go of if you say, yes, I, I really, really want to trust in God. Sometimes uh, we just have to realize that God is never, ever absent in our lives. I don't care what's happening in your life. He's just not absent. He's 100% there on the throne. Nothing goes against what I do or say. Isaiah offered that to, to, to Israel when they were desperate. And he says, oh, things are working out just fine. I know you're in captivity. I know you're in heavy trials right now, but it's working out just fine. So I've got a plan, and I'm working it through. We're all so ready to embrace. Isaiah was a prophet with Jeremiah was a prophet with Isaiah, and he says, "God, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil." He has a plan. But why do we? If trusting God means that we believe the plan that He has for us, why is it okay for us to look at different things? And you know, we just start to compete with that plan. Do you compete with the plan of God? 
easy to do it. You know what, what it looks like when you compete with the plan of, compete with God's plan? It's like you saying, um, you're having the wrong expectations. You have the wrong expectations. You look in yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the sinner that was in desperate need of the grace of God. You are. Have the right expectations for those around you. We are all desperately needing God. And because we are His children, He's going to do stop at nothing. He will stop at nothing to bring you to Himself. And sometimes, so, we've got to have the right expectations for each other. You know, we're all, we need to be loved by each other. We really do because, wow, uh, makes the difference sometimes. All the difference in the world is how we love one another. Jesus said something amazing about love. He says, you know, the way you love each other, people are going to know that you love me. How is that true? I like it, but I don't see it, but I believe it. But it's the way you love one another, people are going to know that you love me. Wow, I... That's worth spending a lot of time on just thinking and just work that in through your heart. But you know what? We compete with God if we're not careful. We begin to make plans for God. We begin to remind God, I really like this to work in my life and I want this to work in my life. And I don't need any storms in my life. I don't need any challenges. You know, sometimes I think we could, if we're not careful as the children of God, we will spend all of our prayer time praying away the very circumstances God is raising up in our lives so that He can draw us to Himself. He raises these things up to clear out the impurities. I like it when Jeremiah says, when they take, takes, uh, I, uh, Jeremiah, when God takes Jeremiah down to the potter's house and said, and he's molding clay on the wheel, and he said the vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. <laughs> you kind of get what that's saying? It's like, God's the one. He'll get the impurities out of our life. Just yield yourself to Him. It's, they're there. Look at each other and realize, you know what? There's just junk in our lives, and, and God's faithful to get it out. We've got to give each other space, prayer, and love to let that actually happen. That's trusting in how God works instead of wishing away everything that goes on. Trusting also brings a certain, that kind of peace I mentioned a while ago that you just can't explain. It's like, wow, well, everything's going wrong, but I just, I just trust how God's working. I can't see it. You know, I used to just really want to see it. I used to play this game, and maybe I still do, and I, I take every thought captive and pitch it out because I have to do this. But sometimes I'm like, okay, gosh, I need this to happen. I wonder if God's going to do it. I think of ways God could do it, just in case he can't think of a way. <laughs> do you ever do that, just in case he needs you and wants to call you up and say, I, I got no solutions here? No, he has a solution, and it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. But see, his expectation is this. We, we just want this proverbial uh, American dream. I don't know how that sounds in other countries, but you know what I'm talking about. We just, everybody wants these certain things to all be true in our lives. So we can all sit around and talk about the, the schools our kids went to and the games they won and the awards they, and all this kind of stuff. And we just, you know, we thought, man... If we trusted God, you know what we would do on our knees and perhaps with just tears streaming down our face and say, God, bring a storm into my life that brings me close to you. Bring it into my life. You know, it's not a byword in the Bible that says, count it all joy when you fall into divers 
varying trials and temptations. That's not a byword. Count it joy. Why? How can you count some things that we've gone through joy? Because we trust that God's doing something powerful. We trust. We just know He is. You, didn't have to, you don't have to sort it out. Man, we're going to get to the kingdom one day and that will all fall away in an instant. <laughs> it really will. It just drops away and we're going to stand there before our Lord. And, wow, we're going to be so glad. Maybe you'll have that remnant of thought. I thought I was never going to make it. And God said, I knew He was going to make it. It was my responsibility. You know, we're His children, right? So He says, you're my responsibility. Trust that He knows what He's doing with our lives. We, do we want to trust in God? Look, just, I'm, I'm done with this. Uh, I'll be done here. In Proverbs, that Andy read earlier, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're not allowed to go part way. This, is, this will change this church. You want to, we want to rethink what it means to trust in God. It will change your life. It will change this church. If our church wants to be a light in this community and in, in the surrounding area, this will change. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Be full of joy. When you trust with, the, with all your heart in God, you're just saying, I'm no longer carrying the burden of any of this. I'm letting God work it. He works and He promises to work. He doesn't take a Sabbath off. He works and He is working. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You've got to let it go because for, for, for starters, you just don't understand. It's, when you think you understand something, you're probably being misled by yourself. You know, the only thing that we can really genuinely understand is the word that God gives us. This is what we really understand. Because if God wants us to know Him, He says, he says just leave it to me. You just, just seek me. Just desire to be with me. Don't, don't get weary of me. I have a plan for you. I know it's tough right now, but I have a plan and it's going to work out in such a way. You're going to be with me in the kingdom of God. In my father's house, I like the King James, right? In my father's house are many mansions. You know, I know in the Greek it says, in my father's house are many abiding places. But what kind of a place is it in the father's house? Short of a mansion. I don't care what it looks like. If it's in the father's house and it's my place, I like it. I did a math problem a while back. I probably shared this with some of you. And I redid the problem based on... There being 20 billion people in the world ever. 20 billion people ever in the world. That's everybody. Just, just to make sure I looked at the numbers right. And judging on the size of New Jerusalem coming down 1,380 miles wide on length and width and height, You'll have over a quarter, uh, uh, your particular room will be over a quarter of a mile square. So you're going to have enough room. There's going to be plenty of room in the people, and one of those places is yours. Probably not going to be 20 million, billion people there because we know some don't make it, right? God has a place for us. He has a plan. He'll see it through. Do we want to trust in God? I want you to say yes. I want to say yes in my life and I just want to let him work. I don't want to look for easy ways anymore. I'll just give it to me as whatever way the Lord used me. I want to be a part of what you're doing. And, and as long as you give me life and breath, 
I think we'll learn to trust in God when you start seeing changes in the way we just look at things, you know. Um, and God will he'll stir it up in us. You know where you're at today. You know where in your heart you are. And, um, and, uh, and, and you think, well, I've been trusting God a long time, and I am so glad. Because <laughs> some of you have been the, the ones that have prayed for us, you know, for my wife and I over the years, you know, and just different mission ventures and just different things. And, and I'm glad that you, you trust in the Lord. And I trust in the Lord. But you just look into your life and say, are you, are you trusting fully and completely? Don't hold anything back. Because when you do, you just miss out. And you don't want to run the risk of getting in the position Israel was. And they're just no longer awed by God. He's just not that amazing to me anymore. And we don't want that to happen. We don't ever want it to be the, the, the case in our life. Um, so responding to the Word of God this morning really started uh, 40 minutes ago or so. Um, that's how that's what we do we're just listening in from God and just responding to him and letting him speak to us and let him speak to you and um, he just has a lot for us uh, there's that verse in the middle where don't you perceive it God's he says just forget about these old things he says, I've got something going here and you're gonna I don't want you to miss it I, I, can't you perceive it can't you perceive it uh, I think God's doing some amazing things and, um, and he's ready to do it right here in our lives, in this faith family. And uh, let's yield ourselves humbly before him and let him work. And just let him give you the peace that he promises. Trust in him. It's okay. It's okay for it to look rough and, and, and looks dangerous and stormy. It's okay. Just, he just, lets, just wants us to trust in him and it works. Let's bow our heads. Let me close in prayer as so. Worship team comes. I thank you, Father, for um, your promise to us. I can't tell you, Lord, how valuable and important your word has meant in my life. Father, I have peace, and I thank you for that. And when I'm troubled, Father, because of the world around me, the waves can be so scary sometimes, Father. Um, you come walking on the water. You're not worried. Because you have it completely under control. Thank you for divine control in my life. Thank you for divine control, Father, in the lives of my brothers and sisters here. Bring us to this place where we receive it, Father, where we can know it and ascribe it to you all this glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.